It starts now, the happy hour of finance and business. My name is Stanley. And once again, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Please continue to share, uh, like, subscribe. This way we could continue to bring you guys some amazing people with amazing content, with a lot of great stories to share. Uh, speaking of which, I got a good friend that just came on board, Damian Campbell. Uh, Damian also runs a, a Campbell Relations which is a PR uh, company, and he does a lot more. When you go on his Instagram, you'll see. Uh, we're going to talk about that and, and so much more. Please welcome Damian Campbell. Damian, welcome. Welcome. How are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, man. Uh, one, first of all, before we begin, I'd like to ask everybody what they're sipping, so let me know what you're sipping on. Uh, actually, I'm sipping on uh, Hennessy at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like you're enjoying some good dinner. Uh, no, actually, I'm doing a, uh, doing one of these. Oh, well, that's yeah. good. I'm trying to be on my uh, PR Zaddy thing by uh, late spring. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> uh, it's going pretty good, man. I've been hitting the gym. I wake up uh, most mornings. Uh, COVID restriction kind of trained me in this. So I began waking up about 5 in the morning, starting mm -hmm. my work day. By like about 10 p.m., I'd just be working, working, working. So by 10 p.m. to me and my brain and my body, I'd feel like it's like 3 p.m. And no one's up yet still. So it's like by the time people are up and they're just getting up, I'm winding down my day. So what I started to do, uh, figured out to do once the restrictions had lifted a little bit from COVID, got my gym membership going. That's decided to use that time from 5 o'clock to about noonish or so. Stay mm -hmm. in the gym. And because I can work from home. That's what COVID taught me also. I can work easily from home. So I just uh, began to mix the two, uh, the work at home aspect, and then the fact that I want to get my six pack and stuff together. So <laughs> a quick question, what's the benefit of working at home that you've seen? Mm, benefit of working at home. I mean, just the common sense thing, just saving money on office time, office space rental maybe. Um, yeah, just just saving travel time. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Ubers, you know, all of that thing you're saving. Uh, food expense gets reduced. Yeah, but okay, I, I so found it to be um, very, it's eye-opening because now I've realized that because of the fact that I've begin, begun working from home pretty successfully, I've now begun to look at maybe leaving New York because like, I moved to New York for specific reasons. I moved here because New York was New York. Um, right. You know, I didn't really move here to move to a place that's kind of stagnant and closed down and no industry life is there. And that's what I'm kind of experiencing now. So now I'm having to pay to go out of New York to go to where it's at when I moved here to be where it's at. Where it's at. Okay. What would you consider where it's at now? Uh, unfortunately, Atlanta. <laughs> Nothing against it. <laughs> Nothing against um, the birth residents of Atlanta. It's just, it's not my uh, thing. And uh, Atlanta, LA, of course, Miami, those are places mm -hmm. that's open. But for my personality set, New York was always a thing for me. And it just, uh, it's a different change to where I have to adapt to the fact that um, it's no longer the same entity I um, once fell in love with. It's like a marriage that you watch wither away. Oh, I like that analogy. Mm -hmm. So um, let's die. Well, I love New York, you know, and I don't know, something about New York. I, I just, the spirit of New York, I think will never die. Mm 
And that's just that's just a personal opinion. I think we're going to come back. I, I do agree that Atlanta has it right now. Probably going to have it for about another uh, five years for about a decade. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that for sure. But I'm pretty sure New York will bounce back. Um, the only time would tell. Right. But right. in my opinion, it's just the spirit of New York. I think is just so resilient that I don't think that it's going to ever die. But anyway, um, let's dive in real quickly. Right. So a lot of people are not familiar with the acronyms PR. Like what, what is PR and what do you guys do? Uh, PR is public relations. We basically, in a nutshell, handle everything dealing with your brand and media outreach and your platform, the upness of your platform, elevating your brand, anything and everything dealing with media, brand, your persona, statements that are released in your behalf, damage control that falls under the umbrella of uh pr so if you sums it up it's like brand management that's correct okay and for example like what is it that when they say that because i went on your site and and i was doing a lot of research and one of the things that comes up it calls you mr fixer what does mixer fixer means like what is Um, it that goes back to so that kind of answers a question that might have come up, might be about to come up. So years ago, back in like 2006 or so, when I first began working um, and I got my big break or whatnot, I Googled my name or somebody Googled my name and it came up Black Hollywood Fixer. And um, yeah, like, so in one of my <laughs> first interviews, I think my uh, interview interviewer, I mentioned that. And I was kind of like gassed about that. I was like, oh, word. It's like, it actually, I think it's the first Black Hollywood fixer. Like, cause I came on really, really young. And the only people doing what I, were, what I was doing were these other white girls and maybe a couple of black girls for football players. They were like little PR slash assistants or whatever. So in the beginning, I'd, um, the fixer name kind of came about. I fix things. I fix situations. I jump into a situation that needs to be fixed. People hire me at times uh, to fix their current media situation. Um, whether you're an NFL player that got into a little mix up at a bar over the weekend and you need somebody to kind of make things uh, look a little bit better for your sake, for your career sake, uh, that's when I might get a phone call. You, you mentioned earlier that you, in the beginning, you used to do uh interviews and right now from what i heard that you don't do them that many interviews anymore no, no. why is that um if you yeah sure it's um an interviewer helped me hostage no i'm just kidding uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> a real oprah story so um and you like to know what, so what happened was uh early in my career I I met this other publicist who was working with another, trying not to say the name, but uh, if you do the math, anybody could figure it out. It was this other black publicist that was out and he used to work for a very famous uh, clothing brand. And he was, the clothing brand was really known. Uh, the woman who owned the clothing line, she was very known. She had a show on ETV and he got fired on live TV because he allowed himself to be bigger than the brand of her. Uh, He began walking the red carpets like a celebrity. He 
began doing interviews like celebrities. And it all went to his head. And see, mm -hmm. because of the access that PRs have and because of, like, we, in a sense, can live the same life of a celebrity for free. Because we're actually, if I'm your publicist and you play for the uh, Cheeks and I'm traveling around right with you, you know, my life is pretty lit, you know? So it's it's a lot of pluses to this type of occupation, mm -hmm. but you know, it, it also requires you to be responsible with it. And luckily I've gotten over my ego to the point where that those things don't, I don't walk red carpets for myself anymore. Like if one of my clients make me, you know, like if I'm with them and they say, D, come on, stop playing around. That's the kind right. of guy I am. You know, I'm not that PR that wants to look like a star. I'm not right. auditioning for my next TV show. Um, I've had people suggest to me like, oh, wow, you, you should do voiceovers. You should do this. And especially when I'm out in L.A., you know, I stay in my lane. I'm a publicist. You know, I like the fact that I'm somebody who's stayed in my same career occupation consistent for over mm -hmm. 12 years without saying, oh, I'm a model, actor, publicist, tap dancer, break dancer, DJ, I'm <laughs> like, and then think it's cool by saying, yeah, you know, I'm a jack of all trades. No. Right. Hey, master of none. Uh-huh. Now, let, let me understand something real quickly. So if you're with one client and you're traveling, what happens to the other clients? So uh, how do you differentiate who to travel with and who to uh, stay on the phone and, and connect with? Um, Depends on... I'd make the best judgment call on that. I, I totally make the best judgment call. And I'll figure out, you know, let's say person A has an album release going on, but person B has a project coming out next week and person A might attract more media. So I might throw person B with person A, see if they can become BFFs at least for a short time. So that way I can kill multiple birds in one time. I do try to have my clients connect with one another and try to make it make sense so that I'm not having to go this way, that way, that way, that way, that way, that way in order to do my job to the best. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, that's definitely smart. So how do you find talent? Is it that you talent come to you or you have a talent research team? I do not. <laughs> I'm here for that. I do not uh, ambulance chase. I um, I think that's a tacky thing to do. Uh, outreaching people saying that, um, hey, do you want me to represent you? Like, I... No, I think I've done that one time for some military person who I felt, I forgot what his situation was, but I felt that he needed to be on things like Good Morning America. I felt he needed to be on things that really showcased whatever it was. It was a black soldier. It was like a year and a half ago. I forgot what it, exactly it was, but he, he went fake viral. And I reached out to him because I said, you know what? He's a soldier. He doesn't know. He doesn't know to reach out to a PR person. You know what I mean? And right, I right. saw his situation slipping, you know, out of his fingertips. And I was like, right. gosh, if he just capitalized on this, he could just do so many things with his message. And right now, I totally forgot what it was, but I know he had all the women feeling sorry for him in a way. I think it was, gosh, I don't remember. It's something like the soldiers. I don't know. It, it was something that he really could have opportunized off of, but uh, he let it slip. Oh, I was just about to ask, did he take advantage of the advice you gave him? Um, no, he was, a, he was a soldier, and that wasn't his life. And um, I just felt that 
I could have accentuated his uh, military life with that extra boost. Uh, but you know, it's, it's hard to, and I make it, I don't make it a practice to draw someone into the entertainment field. If they're not built for it, if they're, if that's not their thing, I think more people should go into other careers, you know, like right. medicine, engineering, civil engineering, you know, things of that nature. That's a valid point right there. So mm-hmm. let me understand this. If you are, you don't chase anybody, correct? But how do you, how do you find out if somebody, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is how do you figure if this person is worth your time, right? How do, how does someone qualifies for you to, be their PR manager? Um, so what I do is I just use my, um, pretty much my own personal litmus test, my best judgment based on what the demographic is currently going, like almost like reading stock markets, how you can um, do your best with your expertise to predict the rise and the fall of a uh, certain stock. Right. So that is exactly how I do it. I do look at the, on a professional level, I do look at it as, stock and stock placement. And I say, okay, well, this time is vested into this stock here. This is this stock. And I recognize each stock for being uh, different. And what I do is try to build the value of each stock. Mm -hmm. On a rating from one to 10, how successful have you been with that? I'd say a nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only because, hmm. I'd say a nine because I guess when you do good work, especially over a long period of time, and that kind of mm-hmm. goes back, circling back to answer the question of how do I procure, procure uh, artists, it's really word of mouth. After I've been around so long, it's like I've really had a piece, a finger in every type of project, you know, coming out, you know, like a major project going on. So I definitely stay in the loop in that way. And like my younger clients definitely keep me in the loop. Uh, I'm I'm aware of what goes on in the demographic of hip hop, sports, you know, because I've represent like athletes more than just music, athletes, you know, actors. Do you take part in like um, endorsement deals? Don't like, you do you this? help? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'll talk about that later. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> um, I usually leave that. I'll toss the ball, give an alley-oop, and that mm-hmm. usually would come in handy with um, my NFL guys from the past. Um, they would be in that category more so. Um, but when it gets to that point, when it deals with endorsement deals, that, that's a business uh, lawyer comes in, the business manager comes in. I'll give the alley-oop to toss it in that direction, but they handle the formalities. Uh, does Okay, so when that happens, everybody has a lawyer and everybody's taking part of everything, right? Um, part of negotiation. Are you part of that negotiation too as well or no? You just alley it and that's it. I try to, um, I try to just wear my own hat and I feel that me with my resourcefulness, given the alley-oop is pretty much good enough unless I feel in the back of my mind that that client's manager or management team cannot articulate the point in the best interest of that client. Got it. And that's when you step in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, with, with social media, right? I'm going to change the gears a little bit. Now, okay. with social media, 
uh, most of these uh, influencers are basically endorsing themselves. How's that impacted your industry? You mean they're taking their own PR in their own hands? Yeah. Oh, I'm fine with that. I love it. Yeah. That's most most of the uh, LA YouTubers, the YouTube sensations. They tend to uh, steer their own career, and I have no problem with that. Like I said earlier, like I don't chase clients. I'm pretty comfortable uh, having clients that really know about me through the work I've done with a friend or acquaintance, or they've watched me from afar. So, like when I see people do their own thing, you know, kudos. You just ought to, you know, in, in a sense, to a certain extent. Like if you're in LA and you know you're, or you're in New York, you're in a major city, and you really have that brain to do it then go ahead and do it. You know, like, I'm not going to suggest that everybody should pay for a publicist. Um, however, hiring a publicist definitely frees you up to be your best version of an artist. And, and can you break down in what sense? If you're an artist and you're wearing multiple hats, that's stressful. You know, sure. if you constantly feel that your business... Um, is not being handled correctly and you're wearing the hat of a business manager and you're not getting booked so you have to handle wear the hat of a booker you don't have the pr reach your demographic is kind of like dwindling so you want to up that and so now you're your own pr but like how much energy is written uh, devoted to your towards your writing recording perfecting your craft yeah oh, pardon me so so with this is it's a luxury it's a luxury item to an extent but a, a worthwhile for that person's career if they really truly do uh believe in themselves and how much time do you normally spend on a project um i create bonds with my clients i, I really create bonds with them they aren't just um just clients you know like these these guys end up being like brothers you know for years on years past you know um usually on a professional level you know we we have intentions on writing out for that project um mm -hmm. but then i guess they might see my usefulness <laughs> further down the line and so it it goes like that uh, pretty much organic and i like it that way yeah yeah you definitely uh establish a connection that lasts for a long time Especially when both parties uh, are seeing the benefit, or seeing the value of each other, right. I think that uh, it, it extend uh, extend a relationship not just from a business perspective, but it, it extends it and evolves into something a lot more. When both parties is not looking for something, uh, you know, self gratifying, but more so to build something with longevity. I think it mm -hmm. definitely it definitely evolves from that point on, and and I can see why too because. Um, uh, we spoke earlier and you could tell that you have a wealth of knowledge and that you could share that along as well as provide the skill sets that you've been providing so far. So I think that's dope. I definitely like that. What what made you go on this journey? What made you decide that this is what I want to do as a PR? Um, well, I think uh, I guess I'm going to answer a question you didn't ask. So I think what made me choose this as my life pursuit was because this is the thing that I'm really good at while trying. Um, <laughs> I guess in a sense, like I'm lazy by nature. And I'll repeat that. I'm lazy by nature. So what I do is 
I try my best to do what it is that I'm great at so it can put more not so much stress. I don't like to be stressed. Mm -hmm. I don't like to, and to be honest, I don't like to work too hard. And that sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't like stress and I don't like to work too hard. Mm -hmm. And so, but here's the contradiction. I remember when the Grammys were in New York and then right before the Grammys, it was, or before or after it was New York Fashion Week. They were mm -hmm. all in the same year. It's like three years ago, two years ago. And I was busy, 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 running around. Uh, Philippine show, one of this show, Chanel show, Ralph Lauren show, taking clients here. I love that busy factor, by the way. And so I've been able to juggle that type of lifestyle without really thinking of it as work. I do it second nature. Right. Why Now going back to your initial, how did it come to where it's this certain career that uh, was that I felt was for me? In high school, back before I matured, um, I would say I was a kid that had a gift. And at that time, I was very, I was very uh, childish with my gift. I, I used my gift to, to attain childish things. And uh, such as I would have in high school, my main goal mm -hmm. was to be prom king. That was my your main, main goal, your objective. Yeah, not, not college, not mm. college, not forget about how maybe smart I may or may not be or whatever. Speak my about goal, honesty. My my goal in high school was to be popular, to get mm -hmm. a lot of girls, um, and to, yeah, just run my high school. Because I think I seen New Jack City around this time, and I <laughs> wanted to like, no, seriously, I, I kind of wanted to turn my high school, and I grew up in Detroit, by the way. So, oh, okay. I wanted to turn my high school into the Carter, I guess. And Nino Brown being dark skinned. And at that time, I grew up in a time where I couldn't get a girlfriend because of my skin tone. I couldn't get a black girl because of my, and that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. But like, I couldn't get a black girl because of my skin tone. Because they were into the light skinned people at the time? Yeah. My skin tone was okay. considered um, not by just like I wasn't chased by a mob. And, and this faded in high school. But because um, I guess for some reason, dark skin became acceptable when I was in high school. So mm -hmm. um, I grew up in that different era to where if you didn't have a firm sense of self given to you by your parents, right. then you were probably looking externally. Luckily, I was raised an only child. I had nothing but time for myself to really get to know me and get to appreciate me. And I didn't mind the fact that this one segment of whomever didn't find my physicality is okay to them. Mm -hmm. I was lucky. I don't know what type of young childhood uh, confidence level I was on, but I was really, truly, I can say unfazed. So I spent, instead of dating, when I was like in grade school and stuff, I was really just getting smarter. I was paying attention in school. I was impressing my parents. I was uh, impressing my neighborhood. And so those things began to be things that triggered my ego. And so when you speak about things that made me into being like a celebrity publicist today, these are things that made me a popular kid in high school because I was my own publicist in high school. I was the one engineering. You were branding yourself. Because I saw where I wanted to be at that time. I just wanted right. to be on top. I wanted to be that guy. 
So and I you saw that from an early age. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I so, wanted to be that. It's, it's basically, you want to be a king in New York at a young age. No, no, no. King, well, <laughs> I was in Detroit. Remember, so in yeah. high school, I just wanted to be king of that high school. Right. Um, and luckily. A couple of rigged elections. <laughs> that's why when Trump, <laughs> when there was a, that's why when there was a, a rumor that Trump had uh, rigged the elections, yeah. I was kind of like uh, snickering to my old high school friends, like, <laughs> <"Don't> I <know?" laughs> yeah, because I used to rig the elections in high school so that all my friends could uh, stay in power. So I know and this was, and now picture this: I graduated high school in '94, so okay. this was me rigging elections back then. So when it, that rumor came about him, I said, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, because power is addictive. And luckily, yeah. Yeah. luckily, I like I said before, I got over that sense of ego back in mm-hmm. high school because luckily, luckily, I got a chance, a fortune. I was fortunate enough to live out that childish dream of being the high school cool kid and being like a kingmaker. So I took those talents with me and evolved them as I got older. And luckily and fortunate for me, I began to embrace my own self-confidence and self-awareness, but mm-hmm. can the ego. Ego is ego is really corny unless you're a kid. Ego sounds very it's like too much syrup on pancakes. Right. You know, when you have like really and you can tell when somebody's really trying to try to try to try to like have an ego, mm-hmm. it's different from somebody who just naturally just feels really great with themselves. You know what I mean? And I wish mm-hmm. that everybody in the world felt great with themselves because I think the world would be a better place. So yeah. much is stemmed from insecurities. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. But I also think that, um, ego has a bad rep sometimes. And that's just my personal opinion on right. it. And, and, and the reason I say that is because I think sometimes you, you need your ego when you don't have that self-confidence, you need to, you, you need to find a way to, talk to yourself and convince yourself that you're bigger than what people see you as you, you're always going to have those people that always, um, see the diamond in the rough. So basically they could spot out somebody and say, this person's going to be great, even though they may not know it, but you, you become a mentor or, or, or whatever. And then you guide them towards their way. I think where ego gets carried away is when you reach a certain pinnacle and you just keep feeding that ego, keep feeding it. And then it becomes more of a, a negative than it is a positive. I think you, mm-hmm. you, I think starting out, if you don't have that confidence, you have to believe in yourself. You have to say these things to yourself over and over and over. You know, like there was the, the I forgot the name of the guy that wrote the book, the self talk, where you basically have to talk to yourself into, you know, positive stuff, positive reinforcement. So I think the ego plays a part of that because you start to feel yourself in a confident way. But I think when you overfeed, it's just, it's just like everything. If you overindulge in something, right, or if it's too much of something, is no, it's not good. And I think when they get carried away, it becomes a negative versus it becomes a positive. But to your point is that you already had that early in life, so when you got to a certain point, you were like, "All right, I'm good." Like I, yeah. I, I can kick um, it. Yeah. yeah, fortunately, I compare it to like when you eat a good meal and then you go grocery shopping. So now I just get the essentials, you know, now I can, I can, so due to the fact that I fed myself when I was in high school, I can now enter into the world and I'm fed, I'm good. And plus I come from a a household of love, you know what I mean? Like fortunately, 
You know, I come from a a structured household of love and my, you know, my mom gave me love, you know, I I come from a family that um, very small, tight knit, um, mom and dad separated. But, you know, my encompassment of my family's affection for me and their doting over me gave me everything I would need so that I would not have to go into the world seeking anything, approval, Mm -hmm. love, anything. I don't need anybody's friendship. I don't need, and so normally, if some someone's talking like that, it would be a bitter person. I have a plethora of friends and people that can speak well about me and all that great stuff, but I don't need it to function. Right, right. I didn't. Right. I didn't go out into this world. Please be my friend. Please love me. Please, right, love me. right. Please tell me right. I'm okay. Please yeah. tell me you like my skin. Please. Yeah. Like that's never been you know a me type of thing. I, I'm always. Um, I like to, I like the fact that I know I'm self-sufficient. Right. But did you build up to that though? Built up early on. Yeah. And, and once again, using the word fortunately, fortunately, I didn't have to do it because of pain. Most people change because of pain. pain. You know, I didn't have That's to true. change because of pain or misfortune. I just, I evolved because I read the plays. Like I I really read, like how in football you'd read the plays. I read the plays, so I evolved. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 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 that's a good point you made. You know, you you definitely have to. It's like a. It's once you have a playbook, or you can uh, refer to a play uh, playbook. It makes things a lot easier because you could Mm -hmm. be like, I saw this already, or I seen this coming. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes things a lot easier for you to to grow and mature. Uh, but when you don't have that playbook, then you're right to your point, And I'm going to echo it again, is the fact that you have to, some people grow through pain and that pain, it, it could turn, turn two ways, right? Because it could turn into a positive and help you grow or take you spiraling down the wrong, wrong the wrong way. And so I, I definitely agree. That's a good point you made. So all this uh, built you into becoming the person you are right now. And the fact that you don't like, uh, working hard, it's not that you don't like working hard. You just, you like working hard at something you love where it doesn't seem like you're working hard. Right. All right. Yeah, Cause I guess in a way, like uh, that's kind of, I guess a disingenuous on my part to say that I, I'm lazy and brag on the lazy baggard, but I, I do think it's lazy. I really don't. No, like because you did say, you did say you like the hustle bustle of how you went from one fashion show to the next fashion show. So that's still, you putting in a work to do all that juggling back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you gotta, you gotta understand not only that you're juggling back and forth, but you, you still got to entertain and you still got to network and you still got to do the introductions. You're using my mind but at all times. You using your mind. Right. So that's still part of working. You know, I it think it's natural. more so. It, it, I'm doing it because it comes natural. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I was just fortunate enough to land into this thing and it fit me to a T. And let me mention that story too, just to give respect to the person that helped my genesis. Um, once upon a time, growing up in uh, in Detroit, I met AJ Crimson, who is a very, very popular celebrity makeup artist currently to this day, like current, current big guy. And uh, we met when I was working at a uh, luxury department store and he was working at a luxury sunglass place. 
and we we congealed instantly and we were friends through you know through different cool interesting fun times in michigan parted ways for a second i independently moved to new york he independently moved to new york we ended up meeting up together and at that point is when his insight because i moved here as a model i forgot to mention that i moved here began doing some modeling stuff i ended up being in source magazine at one point um vibe you know, remember when all the black models were always in source and vibe at these <laughs> fashions? I wish people could just have experienced New York back when I had first through during that time period because the people you met, you know, like uh, the up and coming models that I met at that time were actors or the club promoters who, like Nick Storm, I remember saving his number in my phone as like, uh, you know, met in the club with white coat, you know, he's like this promoter type dude. And now do you know who Nick Storm is? No. Yeah, high up there with like Bad Voice Rock, Diddy, all that stuff. You know, Nick okay. Storm. Okay. Well, um, I apologize actually, for he's my a ignorance. Great influence. No, he's a great he's a part he's a New York staple piece. Now oh, really? let's go back to the AJ Crimson thing, because I totally cut myself off on that when I was answering the call. AJ Crimson is very instrumental because he is the reason why I began working with Keisha Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker's wife. Um, and I was uh, doing PR for their makeup line, Kissable Couture, at that time when my career just sparked off uh, as handling PR. So I got the lucky break from AJ Crimson, uh, and he trusted me and made the introduction. And that's what spun this whole thing into what it is today. Um, sometimes all that person needs is that alley-oop and that placement in the right situation. And he trusted me, my intellect, my drive to make it happen. And I just took the ball and went from there. You know, I didn't need him to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, shout out to him too, because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, because I'm pretty sure you have a, a long, because I was watching your list on IG and there's a lot of people that you represent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I, uh, without getting into the numbers, right. I don't want to get into the numbers. Uh, not exact numbers, but ballpark figure. If I was somebody that was trying to come up inside, become trying to become a PR rep, right? What's the potential of somebody that can make? What's the? I'm sorry, the last. What's the potential? What now? What's the p- potential that they could actually make? Oh, uh, money wise. Money wise, yeah. Well, an average PR charge is about uh, twelve to fifteen hundred minimum per month. Twelve fifteen, and that's just of a one one client. One client, yes. Yeah. Okay. So if you have multiple clients, and you could be able to uh, bounce the, the the three or four clients that you have, then the upside is you can make a lot more. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And especially so that's if good. that's a winning client. Um, Back when the world was regular, mm-hmm. you could reasonably, let's say it was um, an athlete client that would require you to travel a lot or just handle a different level of press, then of course the rate might be significantly higher. So there's different tiers? Not a tier as far as package, but as far as like the common sense. Like if I'm working with a uh, recording artist that is just trying to get his exposure here in New York and or just the major cities, radio play and all those things. I can pretty much handle that at a base level. Now, if I'm working with uh, 
let's say smoke perp. Do you know what that is? Yes. Okay, so let's say I'm working with smoke perp. That's going to be higher, not just because he's making more money. It's going to be higher because more is needed on my part. I'm going to need two more assistants to handle. I, I like to live up to what you need. I like to live. You hired me for a reason, not to just right. stay stagnant on the level that you've already gotten yourself to. You hired Damon Campbell because you want to be better than you were yesterday. True. And that's what I offer my clients. I like that, though. I, I like I, that. I because, like I was running for running for office, right? right. Yeah, it did. It did it, it, I, I ain't gonna lie. It touched home. It touched home. <laughs> I was like, okay, I kind of felt that one right there. Yeah, make me want to hire you right now. Like, <laughs> nah, I like that. Um, so, if I was somebody, if if I'm looking at you and I'm saying to myself, like, you know, it looks like this Damon did it, right? And I just want to come up. What advice would you give somebody that just wanted to come up as a as a PR rep? Like, um, well, listen, it has to be natural. Um, mm-hmm. I, okay, here's the real advice: if anybody's listening and say to themselves that it's a fun life, it it's like you can be in the loop without being the star of the loop, but you're taking all the perks of it. So it's fun in that respect. But if you can't hide, if you can't handle waking up very early. And if you can't handle the stress that how you move directly affects someone else's life, because I have clients that have kids, you know what I mean? So it's like, what I do affects how they feed that kid. You know, what I do, I look at it that way. I'm a deep thinker. So I look at it like, okay, well, I'm really affecting your life in real time. You know, so I, I the decisions you make is the, the decisions you make is affecting their life in real time. Butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. And you you know, the thing is that really strikes me is that didn't realize how much people depended on, you know, personal branding and having a PR person that really protects their brand and really put it out there and find ways to monetize it. I think it's a great thing. I didn't realize the importance of it until doing the research and then, um, looking up what you've been doing and then i realized that it, it's it's it has a lot of value and yeah, i think it's, it's not talked about a lot though unless mm-hmm. you're in the industry if you're in the industry that's a different thing mm-hmm. right if you're in entertainment industry then i think that's part of it it's like the second language right mm-hmm. but when you're outside the entertainment industry that word that that acronyms pr doesn't bounce around a lot in a lot of circles Puerto Rican. <laughs> PR Puerto Rican, yeah, yeah, it does. It does it. So now understanding that how much value it brings, now I see the importance of having someone like you to represent uh, the brand and you know the company and make it uh, be what it is. Great, right? So it's just you, you alone in the company. Or how does it work? I, I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Akila Moore. And uh, also Sakara Fields, uh, who definitely, and also Kira Diva. Just so many, so, and I have to say this, uh, so many Black women uh, make it a point to really help me out in a sincere, organic way. So like Sakara, Akira, Kira Diva, um, so many, many other ones. Like if I went on a list, I ended up forgetting one, and I won't get in trouble, so I don't want to keep listing. Um, but luckily, Smart due man. to the fact that I've I've left a great uh, mark for myself, and due to the fact that I've done good business, 
you know, due to the fact I'm not a fraud, due to the fact that I really do what I say I'm going to do. And I hold myself accountable. So due to all of that, that's why people, pardon my language, that's why people fuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's why when I meet my, when I meet other people, when I meet a stranger, it's not, hey, how are you doing? I'm Damon. Or what's up? This is D. No. Hey, what's going on? I'm Damon Campbell. And so off of your first initial meeting of me, you're going to know where I'm coming from. You're going to know the, the caliber of who I am and how I hold myself to a certain pedigree and what I expect right. of those that are around me, you know, and that, that includes my clients. I do expect a certain thing, you know, and, and only my clients can attest to that kind of thing or people has been around me. Like I, I run a tight ship. You know, yeah, I was I'm just about a- to ask that. The Damon that can hang out is not the same Damon that's uh, doing business. I Any upcoming publicist, um, remember when I said life is fun? You have to balance it out. I've found a way to where there's a lot of open bars. You know, like when, you, when you're in the industry, drinks are free. Um, you can imagine other things are given, but drinks are free. I've found a way to be able to enjoy myself, but still be on it, you know? So there's and, a balance. Yeah, yeah. And you have to just find it like a surfer. You have to find it for yourself. You have to understand the wave first before you master even surfing. So you mm-hmm. have to understand the wave because the wave is from which your foundation is on. So I've understood the wave for quite a many years. So now I surf. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, your analogies is dope. <laughs> I wrote my first haiku when I was 12, bro. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Now it makes sense. I'm like, well, he's coming up with these things, man. These things are hot. <laughs> now nah, I'm feeling bars, it. Bars. <laughs> yeah, and bars for real, man. man. You're like, man, he's coming with these punchlines, man. Nah, I like them, though. Because <laughs> it makes you pause and be like, oh, that was kind of deep right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I appreciate it, man. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure. I know you are kind of busy <laughs> running around like crazy, Yo, multitasking. Bring Trey up in here. This is my guy Trey. Let him talk. Bring him on. Bring him in. What's going on? <laughs> how's everything? Uh, he, he said, "How's everything?" <laughs> yeah, my man, looking like money over there. He's looking like he got the bag. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's in well conditions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David's a fool, man. Hey, man, it's been great, man. I I really appreciate it, man. Wait, yeah, where, where can people reach you? Where can um, everybody reach you? I am uh, usually working handling things on on IG. Um, you can reach me there at I am I A M Damon Campbell like soup. Um, and also, I want to close this out and say this. Um, I lost uh, a few friends along the way in these past years. Donnie Gleam, um, Kodak, just two days ago. SB, who uh, passed away about a month ago. Uh, and Raja, who's a former client. And, uh, you know, this industry, it's fun, but it isn't come without its share of losses. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, just kind of round it off on a somber note that this is a field where you meet a lot of people, you touch a lot of people's lives. And so 
when I personally experience things like that, it just really grounds me to know that every moment I spend with my clients or just people, humans in general, I like to know that I've really meant something for their life, that I might've made them smile bigger than they would have normally smiled. And hopefully I do things with my life and with my talents and with my career that could help to advance somebody um, and allow them to live the best life they wish to live. Yeah, I like that. I salute to everyone. Yes, indeed, right. indeed, indeed. Uh, we definitely celebrate life here. Um, Cause you never know, man. You just never know. And it, you know what thing? 2020 has taught me a lot. Uh, but one of the things that really stood out is when Mother Nature, God, the universe want to do their thing, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it, man. Right. And the tragedy that happened with um, Kobe Bryant and all those, um, the other members that was in a helicopter and Gigi, uh, it taught me that no, you could have done everything correctly. You could have done everything right. But when it's time, it's time. There's nothing that you could do about it. And that's why it's best to celebrate and enjoy it and uh, not just live it to the fullest, but pour out all the gifts that God gave you yep. and put it to good use, right? Because once you put it to good use and you left everything out there and nothing in the tank, then when you leave, you feel that this sense of gratitude versus them resentment, not realizing I could have done this, I could have done that. And we, you know, there's a lot of stories of shoulda, wouldas, but we don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely celebrating life and celebrating your accomplishment, Damon, because you've been doing um, a hell of a good job. And to the people that we've lost, uh, salute. We celebrate their lives as well, too. Yes, yeah. definitely, definitely, definitely. And shout out Mr. Swipey, Big Bop, Mikey Polo, CJ, Whoopty, everybody in the mix. Keep the list going, man. You yeah. don't want to leave no yeah. one out. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris, everybody, you know what I mean? Like, you know what it is. Yeah. Um, and thank you for having me. Uh, hopefully you'll be, uh, oh, let me also mention this so it can be in stone. I believe in writing things down in a different way. I've heard things, people say things about writing things down so it comes to fruition. So let me end the program note by saying this. I, my aspiration is to eventually segue from uh, direct entertainment PR, and I will transition uh, into political campaign management. Wow. Wow. That's a big shift. Sort of, but I've been working on it behind the scenes for about five years, so okay. it won't be a, it'll be something that'll end up seeming like it just happened overnight, but and I'm I'm really speaking what's really going on. Like, so it'll seem like it happened overnight, but I've been working if on you, it. If you've researched me, I hide myself in a certain way, but if you really researched me, you would see how I've been drawing my political alliances. And I do it strategically. And I feel there needs to be that type of mechanism. Um, yeah, we'll save that for part two. We'll save it for part two. We'll save it for part two. We'll talk some more. Thank you so much, man. Um, You've been a blessing, man. Yeah. And trust me, man, you dropped some bars tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm definitely going to go back and write down a few of them. (laughs) I like this. I'm going to take this. (laughs) Don't worry. I give credit, but I'm definitely going to take a few of them. They were hot, man. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, bro. Thank you. And uh, good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And as always, uh, it starts now. Whatever you got to do, just start it now.